0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church, Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland, and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. thank you, brothers. Well, g'day, church. That's Australian for uh, hi. Um. That was, that was beautiful and I love hanging out with you, Mob. Um, uh, I hope you're okay with adopting Australians because I, I really feel at home. Um, I love your pastor. I love your leaders. I love the example of humility. We've just come from a shalom community. Have others worshipped with the shalom part of uh, this community? My goodness. Like, I was a mess. I was just in tears. It is so beautiful people know is it francis and chris shelley Shelley. francis people met francis and shelley um just seeing what they're doing and how they're doing it it is a it is a prophetic witness and as we were leaving i didn't get a chance to share with shelley but um i was able to share with francis and i i share this with you so that you can encourage them i had this real sense that they were going to face significant opposition and when it came not to feel threatened in any way, but that is actually the verge of breakthrough. Mm -hmm. So as you watch and as you pray for their ministry, and the neighbourhood is North North Logan, pray about that opposition which is coming because I think that's going to be the very point where something shifts and those who are most opposed actually create an openness to hear the gospel. Mm -hmm. And I want you to encourage them in that because... Uh, sometimes when you're doing the real work, away from the spotlights, like it's easy if you're in positions like mine where you get asked to speak in front of like 10,000 people and there's a stadium and there are famous Christian bands and, you know, all those lights. And sometimes we can get tricked, particularly young people, into thinking that's what it is, that's what I'm aiming for. What you're aiming for is what Shelley and Francis are doing over there. Lovingly, where no one can see them, whether there is no glitz or glamour or anything, and they are loving faithfully in ways that creates the kind of soil for gospel seeds to start to sprout. We, we were in worship, and we, we would, can I share how we were worshipping? Mm-hmm. So there was no band. We are doing YouTube over the speaker, while the, and I loved it. Like, I, I mean, I'm mates with some of the guys from Hillsong United, and I'm telling you, they would love it. The heart behind it and how they were leading, with no keyboard, no nothing, but just like people, broken people. First two people I met shared about people who have died recently in their family. First two. There are certain places where sin seems to have a proximity and what I love is that this is the exact places where our Lord chooses to show up. Can anything good come from, you know those neighbourhoods, you know those streets, insert it here. That's what Nazareth is. And the significance as we were worshipping there with YouTube playing and watching these people, some of whom don't speak English, And as your pastor, and can I say this about Alan as well, his heart and his humility, I I, I travel like half the year, uh, not by design, it's just how I pay the bills for my home first home project where um, uh, there's 12 recently arrived asylum seekers and refugees who, who live there and maybe because I'm not that creative in how I bring the money in, it just turns out that a lot of that happens by traveling elsewhere like with you right now. That is the real stuff. And I see the real stuff here, that your leader does not delegate spending time with that little community, with people who, because they're from Romania, or because they're from Bulgaria, or or because they're from East Africa, that the translation, what is caught is not the words, it's the heart, and your pastor puts himself in the place where his heart which reflects God's heart is felt for those that others would go, this isn't as important as the bigger crowds. That's why when I spend time with you, I'm so deeply moved. There was a little one who was out here wandering over here. Anybody else feel led in worship as they just wandered around? I love that stuff. I love that stuff. And I want to encourage you that this is the real stuff. This is it. And the good news of that is that it means all of us can be involved. Martin Luther King had this, like, phenomenal sermon where he talks about greatness is service. So the passage where James and John, they're vying for the positions of, can when you come into your kingdom, can we have you important... We want these important portfolios. We want to sit in the positions of power and prestige. We want to be seen. And Jesus is like, no, nah, you don't know what you're asking. Or a more Australian, yeah, nah. You know how Australians do that? We answer things by saying, yeah, nah, yeah. And it's like, well, which one is it? All of them. <laughs> And Jesus says, yeah, nah, yeah, you you don't know. Can you be baptised with the baptism I'm baptised with? Can you drink what I have to scull? Are you really up for that? But I tell you what, it's not mine to give, but the greatest amongst you will be a servant. And Martin Luther King teaching on that says, you don't need to know Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. You don't need to know Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't need to know the second law of thermal dynamics to serve. What you need is a heart filled with grace and a soul generated by love. And if greatness is redefined as service, all of us can be great. So I want to spend little time talking and more time ministering, which as a Pentecostal, that's, that's a confession. I'm asking for your prayer in saying that. And as a way of doing that, I want to open up a particular text but I'm going to ask, if you're between 13 and 23, I'd like you to actually come up here and join me just as we read the text. Are there any 13-year-olds in the room? 13-year-olds? If you're 13, if you're 14, 15, oh, basically, dob in your mates in your row who are between 13 and 23, because I want you up here with me. What, you think all this space was just to look at me? No, 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 no. Welcome to the priesthood of all believers. You're getting involved. So, 13 to 23, if you're near someone. Okay, you lot, come and join me. Come in twos and threes. Who else? 13, 23. Come on. And I'm going to ask if you can actually line up. So, if you'd actually, if you want to be in loop around there, but I want... I want The congregation to be able to see all of you. So some of you head round this way. Head round. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. You mob over here. Jump over here. Jump in this section here. Now, as we read this text, I want you to pray for your young people. And as we read it, I want you to ask God who in particular you're praying for as we read this text, because I want you to hear this in such ways that it haunts you and troubles you and makes your life dangerous, the kind of dangerousness of holiness. And so I want you to choose one of these young people. Pray now, who is it that you hold in prayer as they listen to this text? Because I think part of the work we have to do, if this value, investing in youth, if we're going to take it seriously, we've got to stop entertaining our young people and start sending our young people. These are our evangelists. These are the people we have to send out with an apostolic calling to get into the places where you can't go, but they are every day. Not waiting for when will we get a chaplain in there, when, when we will get like the cool person who has it all together or somebody with great abilities that I don't yet have. No, no, no. It's just us, Mob. It's just us, Mob. And the greatness that you see from your leaders is you lot in those places realising if God can work with ordinary crew like us, God can work with your ordinary mates. If God can work with broken people like us, God can work with your broken mates. If you can learn to be honest and learn that holiness has got nothing to do with cover-up or self-propaganda games or making my life look nice and respectable and everything to do with the kind of confession that leaves your life transparent so the glory of God is seen in it, where your gifts, your talents are laid out before the will of God and everything that you are is laid out before everything that God is and you say, I will go, send me. I will go, send me. So I want to read this text to you and I want you to pray for these young people. We are not waiting for others to come. We are not waiting for a new Messiah who's going to bring revival, all this kind of, we've got a Messiah, his name is Jesus, he's already here and he chooses them and us. So we've got to stop this talk that revival is about, my mate Dave Hack, he puts it, that nostalgia is a filthy rotten liar. You ever been to those kind of meetings where like, Lord, bring revival, and it's like, when was the last time you've been out in the streets with the worship leader here, actually sharing with people, hearing their pain, actually coming alongside people? No, Lord, we want them to come into our church. Well, of course you want them to come into your church, but God is sending. Are you here? Will you go? So, who are you praying for? I want you to hold these young people in prayer, because I think we need to give them more permission to do what God is empowering them to do instead of telling them, You will be the next leaders. You won't be the next leaders. You're the leaders. Go do it. What you're doing now is leadership. Leaders are disciples, leaders follow. And you're like, I want to be an influencer. There's no term that I find more frustrating amongst young people than influencers. Don't try and be an influencer. Try and love like God has loved you. That is the only thing that gives you real lasting influence. That's the only thing. You want to make a difference? Go be different. The difference that is holiness that we see in Jesus to be mercy. That takes you being honest with who you are, laying that down and trusting that this lot are praying for you. And if you see people out here and their lives are actually living this stuff, what Pastor Allen does... Going in the places that other people go, they're a waste of time. There's no hope that can be seen there. Nothing can happen there. They're the very places where God shows up. And you're like, but I like the big Christian concert where I'm with all the other people and like I feel like I'm part of something important. That's great. Be encouraged. But it's not the real thing. The real thing is when no one's watching, no one sees, and you do that faithful, beautiful, humble, loving thing that looks like Jesus and somebody feels the dignity of being called to be a child of god what is it to relate to those that others just make fun of what it is to show them the kind of dignity when everybody else calls that girl that name names her like that or that boy that thing and names him like that and you relate to him in such a way that you believe their story can be rewritten that they can be one of the leaders here that they can be caught up in god's gentle revolution of kingdom love So, can I read you a text? Can you hear it in such ways that you're open to their prayers? And can we take responsibility that investing in youth isn't something that we're going to see come to pass later? It's something that's coming to pass this week. Ask your young people, where have you seen God at work? And let them ask you, where have you seen God at work? Around your tables, ask the kind of questions, how did you live God's love today? Where did you see grace breaking out? Where are the tax collectors and sex workers and sinners that Jesus has found amounts? Were, were you found about them today? Were you found in such ways that they could see themselves as child of God, not those labels that others put on them? That's our stories, right? Half of us, that's why we're in the room. Somebody who loved us well enough to actually show God's love. We've got to make sure the worst thing that can happen to these young people is that they become respectable, middle-class Christians instead of dangerous disciples of a holiness which is mercy and compassion. You should long to desire to do stupid things that make no sense unless Jesus is risen from the grave. Why would you spend your time with them? Why would you volunteer with those Roma kids, those travellers? Why would you spend time with those girls who made those stupid mistakes and they get what they deserve and they've ruined their school career. Why would you treat them with dignity? Those kids are drug addicts. Those kids are losers. Those kids are are the ones that Jesus came for, died for, rose for and sends you for. And if we're honest, if it wasn't for the grace of God, we're them too. Can we hear this with that in mind? And can we pray for them as we read this? Would you stand with me? And if you feel comfortable, stretch out the hand. Who is it around this circle that you're praying for? Lord, give us ears to hear. In the year that King Uzziah died, he saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings, Two wings they covered their faces and they covered their feet, and with that, the others they were flying and they were calling to one another Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with God's glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook the temple and it was filled with smoke. Woe to me. I cried, I'm ruined, for I'm a person of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, This has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin, it's atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Again, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Again, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And I said, Send me. Here I am, send me. And he said, go. This is the word of the Lord. And in some circles we say, thanks be to God. You lot, you can have a seat. And it is my hope that in just a little while, of your own volition instead of being forced out by your mates, parents, aunties, uncles and friends and neighbours that will find you back in this space saying, here I am, send me. Just a few little reflections and then I just want to open this up for ministry. If, If I was to say the word holy, what comes to mind? Some of us have done Bible college, some of us have been to seminary, some of us have been to Bible studies our whole life. If I was to say, holy, what comes up for you? What's associated with the term holy? What, what, what kind of impulses, what kind of imprints, what kind of things does, does it provoke in you? I want to give you 30 seconds with the person you're with to say, when you hear the word th- holy, What comes up for you? 30 seconds. Make sure no one's left out because that wouldn't look like the kingdom of God. What comes up for you when you hear the word holy? Go for it. So, the Aussie is interested to hear from you lot. You can say, somebody near me said, and that way if you're wrong, you don't have to wear it. But what kind of things were you hearing as you were discussing? What does holy bring up for people? And what I want us to do is actually listen, because what we're about to listen to is the diversity of things that it means. And actually listening to the diversity of things is really important. In terms of what God wants to do with this space and opening up a space for people to respond because some of our healing includes the healing of our theologies that actually keep us from seeing God as God is. So listen to one another where you're not going, that's right, that's wrong, but how can it draw us deeper into what God is wanting to do in this space? So when I say holy, what do you hear around you? What were you discussing? Anybody feel brave enough? Sister, your name is? Lynn. Lena? Lynn. Lynn, thanks, Lynn. Wow, that's beautiful, Lynn. Lynn, for those who missed it, was talking about the example of some people. Uh, I think about my wife's grandfather. We were talking about an old voice earlier in the day. He, he was president of the Baptist World Alliance, friends with two popes, A president of the U.S. and Abraham Heschel, the greatest theologian um, of the Jewish tradition in the 20th century. And yet in his 90s, he was serving cups of tea and setting out chairs before church and after church because he was a man who knew that holiness had everything to do with what we see in Jesus. And Lynn was naming, what is it, the people we've encountered where we've seen real holiness? Not those people who've got certain airs about them, where it's like a religious ego trip, where they're like, do you know how great I am and what magical powers, I mean spiritual powers, I have? (laughs) But people of real holiness, where they don't make a scene of a word, but they tell you on a quiet. When they correct you, it doesn't make an example that shames you, but something about their presence removes shame and actually gives back your dignity. Real holiness. I've met holy people in this church. Broken, problematic, just as messed up as the rest of us, but holy people here. What else comes up for you when you think holy? Reverence and humility. Reverence and humility. Sister, your name is? Sonia. Sonia. Would say Sonia, but I love how you pronounce your name. Reverence and humility. Sometimes we hear terms like reverence and they're, they're so stuck in four walls of cathedrals and sanctuaries and church buildings that it's stopped meaning something when you stand at the, the edge of a... Pres- uh, has anybody ever heard of Uluru? Large rock, centre of Australia. Sometimes known as Ayers Rock. It's only been called that for 200 years. For 60,000 years before that it was Uluru. Uluru, there is a sense of reverence. Now, I'm just talking about creation, but there is a sense that this place is something so majestic, something of the majesty that is caught up in holiness, something of, I find my place in this vast universe and my life is so small and fragile, and yet I'm a little lower than the angels, crowned with glory. Glory. That's humility. Not thinking less of yourself, but thinking more of Christ. That's humility. Not playing down your gifts, but actually sharing your gifts, knowing that they're not there for you, but they're for the building up of others. That's humility. Where is our sense of reverence? C.S. Lewis talks about if we were to see one another, as Christ sees us, we would fall down in worship of one another. Isn't that incredible? If we cannot reverence God, how do we ever start to see one another as God sees us? As the book of James talks about, how with the lips where we praise God we just curse our sister and brother? What's that about? Real holiness has got something to do with reverence and the humility which is not, I am nothing, but I am something and somebody because of who loves me just like every other person. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought, but let's all see each other as children of God. Something of reverence. Can you hear that sense of holy, holy, holy? Thank you. Others, when you hear holy, what comes up for you? Brother, your name is... Marius? Thanks, Marius. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uncleaned. Yes. So totally yeah. White. So, clean, pure, without speck. Did this come up for anybody else? Yeah. This, is, this is really, really important. I'm so glad you brought it up. And there is an incredible sense of that that our sins were like scarlet but have been washed away like fresh snow? My goodness. But there is also a sense of how that can become distorted. The Pharisees were really into cleanliness, not with a sense that I heard it from my brother over here. But have you ever been in situations where they judge your cleanliness against others' cleanliness? Isn't it interesting in terms of Isaiah He encounters these, and the the Hebrew word, where we get the word seraphim, it actually means like a blaze, as in a fire, as in they're on fire. So whatever these creatures are, these angels are, with the six wings and the freakiness of, it sounds like a bad trip. (laughs) Whatever that is, there's a sense, even encountering that in God's presence, that there is a sense of who we really are seen honestly. And yet this idea, if it becomes perverted from what God has done that our sins are atoned for, that's what the text says, to am I clean, am I pure, and the games where we measure against each other. Why is it that sinners run to Jesus and run away from so many Christians? What is it about the holiness of Jesus that attracts like moths to a light? And the holiness of religious people that makes people flee like a house is on fire. What it is to become somebody who knows that their sins are atoned for and because of that they don't play these comparison games. Thank you God that I'm not like A, B, C and D. It's very hard to love someone while judging them. We talk about things that get in the way of revival. Religion that sees purity, not as our brother was describing it, as that experience of forgiveness, but purity that I construct of myself, of my false self, so that my life looks to others like that Facebook photo, which has taken forever to get correct. Instead of when we actually wake up in the morning and how we look in the mirror and we're like, ah! What is it to have communities where holiness means we are forgiven so we can be honest instead of we've got to be pure, so I better cover stuff up and tell no one. Real holiness creates cultures of confession, not cover up. I'll say it again real holiness creates cultures of confession, not cover up. It takes the toxic power of secret sin away. So I know I'm in a safe environment where I can tell people what's going on. And the book of James says, confess your sins to one another and be what? Not forgiven. What? Healed. Isn't that fascinating? There's something about being honest about who we are. And Isaiah's response in the text is what? Woe to me. I am a man of unclean lips. And the angels aren't surprised. So whatever is your stuff that you think disqualifies you, the young people who are standing up here and you're like, nope, not me, you don't know about A, B, C and D. You'd be surprised how much the adults wouldn't be surprised by that stuff. (laughs) As in, they've struggled with that stuff. And part of the thing of when we actually create cultures of confession instead of cover-up, we can develop the kind of gentle, tender accountability that believes in more for you and can see these things transformed. We need the kind of experiences where holiness starts to become what is contagious. The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts by saying, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you will not enter God's dream for all reality. The kingdom of God, the reign of God, the presence of God, the dream of God. So you tell me, what was the righteousness of the Pharisees? Yeah, the kind of religion which isn't what James... Oh, we've done a lot of James, not by intention tonight, but James chapter 1, verse 27, the kind of religion that the Father finds acceptable is to care for the orphan and the widows and to keep yourself being polluted by what Dorothy Day would call the filthy rotten system. All that doesn't look like God's dream for the world. All that isn't a part of the kingdom of God. So we're not talking about that kind of religion, but the kind of religion that is about self-propaganda games where I'm better than someone else. Whenever you meet a Christian who's trying to prove they're better than someone else, you're meeting somebody who needs prayer and to respond to an altar call. They are getting in the way of revival. I'm I'm actually not being, like, I'm I'm being quite serious. One of the things that actually keeps people from accepting Jesus is people who pretend they're better than Jesus. (laughs) I I find that amazing. The very thing that will keep revival from happening is actually us, our inability, to be honest, with our junk. And the funny thing is that your, your neighbours, they hear you. They know your junk. It's just us that are tricking ourselves. But if we can actually experience the holiness of God in such ways where we realise it, it cleans us in such ways that we don't have to play these games. And then it sends us because we realise it's not about us, but what he has done for us. I could go all night, but I said I'm going to keep it short. But what I hope you're getting a sense of as we talk about holiness is that holiness isn't a category that separates God from us. You ever heard preaching like that? God is so holy that God couldn't have anything to do with you. The only problem with that is um, the Bible. That's not how holiness works in the Bible. They sin in the garden, and God's like, I'm done, I'm out, see you later. No, no, no. God in tenderness makes something to actually meet them in their shame because God reaches out, chases down, wants God's people. Israel is continually unfaithful. Solomon, he just wants to do Egypt, but with Bible verses. Does God go, I'm done? but continually chases down, draws with strings of loving kindness. If your understanding of holiness is an excuse to walk out on people, you have not experienced the holiness of God which chases down. See, the Pharisees, what's contagious for them is sin. Get away from the sinner, get away from the sinner. Their whole thing about prostitutes or tax collectors or sinners is if they would just stop doing that, then God would bring the kingdom. So if we just get rid of those few sinners in here, all of us, (laughs) then we would see revival. Then we would see the church grow. Then we would see fill in the blank. And that kind of thinking never, ever gets us in on what God dreams for, which is our waking reality in Jesus. Because the kingdom of God is a righteousness that surpasses the Pharisees. And that's just Pharisaicalism not discipleship. With Jesus, holiness is contagious. I want to open up a space for us to respond because I feel like I could go on and on and as I talk, I'll make sure that this doesn't end up interesting discussion or ideas but we come back to what God is doing in this space. Because what is central for the people of God is the call to be what as God is what? Holy. Yet Jesus in Matthew 5 and Luke 6 takes this call to be holy and he doesn't use the word holy but he's talking about holiness. But he redefines holiness in who he is because he's the Messiah. He gets to do what he wants. If in him God was pleased to have his fullness dwell, in Jesus we see the fullness of what holiness is. You want to know what holiness is? Look at Jesus. And Jesus, in Matthew 5, says, be something as your heavenly Father is something. Anybody know? Perfect. And some of you are like, aha, gotcha. It is about perfection. I need to try harder. I need to go harder. It is about me getting everything right. My obsessive compulsive tendencies are coming out and I need to apply that to my life when it comes to God. Er, Wrong. Bad reading of scripture. A text without a context is a sure sign you're being conned. The context in which it's talking about is Jesus being talking about enemy love. If the rain falls on the just and the unjust, the sun shines on the good and bad alike, if there are no special weather reports for Christians, but God's goodness is just there for everyone, guess what? You have to love everyone. And the word there is teleos, where we get the word telos. Telos means end. God has an end in mind. History is going somewhere. And teleos is about completeness, i.e., be perfect in your love. Do you know how you be perfect in love? Don't leave anybody out. Uh, what about the unjust? I just mentioned that. Be perfect in love, love them as well. Uh, what about the sinners? Just mentioned them, love them. What about my enemy? You want to love like God's loves? Love them. According to Jesus, holiness is a love that leaves no one out. That's what we're responding to in this space in just a moment. A love that doesn't leave you out. A love that sees all your stuff and can handle you saying, I have unclean lips. Let me be honest about myself. Let me actually find a people who are going to receive me in such ways that I don't have to play games. And you will find that angels will approach you with that which burns you, sears you, heals you, because your sins have been forgiven. You're clean. The kind of cleanliness which is contagious. So you can hang out with sinners and love them in such ways that they can see that they too can be saints by just going, okay, I'll be honest with my stuff too. Luke's gospel doesn't use the word perfect. Some people need more proof about what we're about to respond to. Luke's gospel is more explicit. It doesn't use the word perfect, but in Luke 6 it says, in the context of enemy love, it says, be something as our heavenly father is something. People know what it is? compassionate imagine redefining holiness reverence humility purity as compassion the things that you've heard from one another imagine once god shows up in the flesh knowing that the only way we can talk about holiness is as mercy be merciful As your Heavenly Father is merciful. Be compassionate as your Heavenly Father is compassionate. You are about to be sent out to be a holy people and that's why you love that leaves no one out. That's why you love in such ways that people like, why do you love me? I don't deserve it. And you're like, yep, me either. But that's how God has loved me and that's how God loves you. Oh I don't think God would love me, I've done A, B, C and D. And you say, yep and I would too. If it wasn't for the grace of God and some of you go yep I did too and now by the grace of God I don't do that anymore and that's what it is to be a people who have a righteousness which surpasses Pharisees are we ready for that kind of revival this altar call isn't merely for the young people but sometimes young people find it easier because they've got less invested in our public relations, religious profiles than those of us who've been around a little bit longer. Young people find it easier to be honest because maybe they've screwed up less. Some of us are in positions of important religious power and i have seen on importance so we could never be honest about if you can't be honest with that stuff, God can't heal that stuff. And do you know what God's will is for your life? Healing that stuff. And you know what stands in the way most of the time? Pride. Well, I'm, I'm not going forward. I mean, I will in my heart, but I'm sitting here. (laughs) I don't want people to see me. I run a small group. I run the prayer ministry. I'm the kids' pastor. I'm, I'm in the worship team. I'm the visiting preacher. (laughs) Do you know who needs to respond to this message? All of us. (laughs) this is God's gracious invitation the young people who are out here, you've already responded if you're already feeling itchy to get in on the kind of prayer that would open to that, even before the band gets up, I invite you to come and join me up here, I'm going to be down here praying because I'm a man of unclean lips and by grace my sins are atoned for that's open to all of us Uh, That's open to everybody who can be honest with their need for grace. And you become the kind of person who no longer has toxic holiness that looks nothing like Jesus. And you become the kind of person that people go, I like hanging out with them. I don't feel judged around them. I feel like I'm loved by them. They're compassionate. They're... Merciful. They're people who know their stuff, don't play religious games, and have said, here I am. Send me. So I'm going to hand over to your senior pastor, and I'm going to kneel here, because I don't think I should be doing altar calls unless I respond to them. If you, like me, need to encounter the holiness of God, which is the mercy of God, I invite you to join me. And young people, you in particular, don't miss this moment. For some of you, this is the night that things change and you realise you are here, so just respond, here I am. God is sending you, so just say, send me. Send me. Send me.
1: the panel just slip up quietly and lead us but just even as they do I feel the Holy Spirit just inviting you into the invitation that Jared has laid out before us to enter into a life of holiness it looks like Jesus you're not sure where it's going to take you but you know that you need to be sent. Why don't you just come and kneel in beside Jared here tonight. Um, just in these moments, if you need to respond, just come and kneel. <coughs> let all just close your eyes. <coughs> just wait on the Lord. Let's not make this a spectator thing, watching everybody else is responding. Let's respond ourselves. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Moments like this are like moments of consecration where we just. We're not not really sure, as I say, all that it means, but we know we just want to set our hearts and our lives apart to, to change what needs to be changed. Come, Holy Spirit. I think it could be a few people here, and um, you, you've just been a Christian for many, many years, and you've never really even heard holiness talked about like it's been talked about tonight. You've thought that holiness was simply going to church and putting a shirt and tie on every week, and it's felt something pretty stale or stodgy. Or and um, I actually think it's quite important for you to respond tonight, and it's going to take a bit of guts. You've maybe never responded to anything like this before. Um, these are the days. To, these are the days to break pride. going to let the Holy Spirit move here for a a few more minutes. A few more people. I just want to leave space to respond. And for those who are, just to allow the Lord just to work in you at this moment. Just in these moments, just let the, as you bow before Jesus and we become aware of his holiness and we go back to that text in Isaiah that Jared read us tonight. Let's um, let the, let's let the burning coal touch our lips just in these moments. Purify us afresh. Set us apart.
0: We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.